there, my name is Bonnie Violet, and in case you don't know where you are, this is Dragon Spirituality. Tonight's episode is episode 10, and our guest is Sister Tilda Next Time. Sister Tilda Next Time says, I use my face as a canvas and makeup as the tool to become my own piece of art. I want to empower people through art and fabulousness, inspiring them to become their own masterpiece. You see the beauty in others because you have a divine beauty inside of you. When you share this beauty with the world, you celebrate your uniqueness and you don't allow others to sculpt you into something you're not. You are the artist and muse of your own life. Sister, till the next time. Hi, sister. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for being here this evening. Thanks for inviting me. For sure. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what we just what we just watched? Uh, that was a video performance I did uh, a few months ago, and it was to celebrate Pride and all the sister when the pandemic started to get a little uh, dangerous outside and. Uh, a bunch of sisters got together and they put a, uh, uh, an event, an online event, mm-hmm. and sharing videos from them performing. And this was my performance. And it was me showing my pr- process of uh, becoming a sister and applying makeup. That's beautiful and very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing it with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like to start from way, way back. So love to hear a little bit about what life was like before um, Sister Till the Next Time came around. And I was curious um, if you would want to tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. Uh, I was born in Brazil. And while I was born in the 70s, there was still a dictatorship happening in there even though it wasn't uh, as strong as it was in the 60s, there was still a little bit of censorship and I got the final years of dictatorship. And um, my family is all related to arts. So from the early ages, I was introduced to lots of music and lots of uh, all forms of entertainment. I have an older sister. She's 11 years older than me. So when I was a kid, she was already a a teenager. And she introduced me to a lot of artists that were becoming very famous at that time, such as uh, Boy George. And he was my first idol. And I always joke about the fact that uh, while all my other friends were listening to, you know, kids' music and playing on the playground, I was obsessed with Boy George uh, from a very early age. And through him, I met David Bowie, who became my biggest inspiration of all. And uh, being surrounded by music, especially by uh, British music from that time, like the New Romantics movement and the punk rock movement, they shaped, shaped me uh, from a very early age. So um, I, I became a punk rock kid and then I, I spent years and years and years as a goth 
kid. And then from there, I started listening to electronic music, also in the beginning of the 90s. And I became some kind of that. That's where I became more involved as a drag queen, per se. You know, when I was a goth kid, I was putting on makeup, but I was more like a, a Robert Smith kind of thing. Uh, but uh, once I started uh, going out to more uh, clubbing places mm -hmm. and all the club kids were there, uh, that's when I started uh, doing more drag specifically. Right. right. Mm -hmm. What was what it about, about Boy George Boyd. and Dave Bowie that, uh, I don't know, what were you drawn to about them? Well, uh, I think that, uh, well, my name, my real name is actually Allison. And this, this name is a, uh, doesn't have a specific gender in the Portuguese language. It can be either for boys or for girls. Uh, so I kind of think like my mom already knew I was going to be non-binary at that time. And, but once I met Boy George and I saw that guy uh, dressing up and being fabulous and being just like the most amazing flamboyant uh, peacock uh, and uh, going to all the TV shows and being famous, uh, I kind of felt like, oh, I want to be like him. This is how I want to spend my life. Right. And and this realization came really really early in in, in my life. So it, it, I was like completely in love with the whole image, and not just him, but it, it, it was also a time where people like Nina Hagen was uh, really popular in Brazil at that time, and also Grace Jones and Annie Lennox. So I, I was surrounded by all these colorful people, and I wanted to be like them. Yeah, such a such a queer time it was, huh? It was. <laughs> yeah. I miss those times, though. Yeah, um, it's colorful. So, when did you start going out to clubs? At uh, what age? I started going out to clubs when I was fifteen. Of course, I was illegally going to clubs, but nobody noticed. And uh, yeah, it, it was uh, when I was around fifteen years old. I became going to punk rock clubs and then to golf clubs. Um, by the time it was about 93, that's when I became more involved with the electronic music scene and going to, and, and that's where I saw my first drag queen, I think. And right. <laughs> this is why I, I wanted to like be able to go on stage and perform and do stuff. And so this was all in Brazil? You were still in Brazil? Yes, I was still in Brazil, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and it sounded like your family would, would be really supportive of the art. Were they supportive of every aspect about you? And, uh, well, uh, to an extent. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to have uh, my parent, my father and my mother. They are still together. They've been together for like 50 years. And they never caused me any problems, the, the, uh, apart from, you know, just, you know, you know how parents are. Sometimes they just argue with you and they want you to, to change. But I, I was pretty fortunate uh, about that. And they still support me. Mm -hmm. And my father, actually, he used to take me to clubs and 
bring me back home as well because he was always super worried about me going back home at 4 a.m. by myself. So he, he would actually uh, offer me a ride home and I would go inside my parents, my father's uh, car in drag and he, he, was, he was okay with that, I guess. <laughs> I have a pretty good relationship with both. Right. And then um, did you have, were you um, raised with any sort of uh, religion or spiritual practice? Uh, not as strictly. My, my, both my parents, they were Catholic, uh, but they never enforced me mm-hmm. any of that. Um, and it was a pretty open, uh, you know, just, just don't get into trouble. Just don't join a cult kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and just don't become a Satanist yet. Wait until you're 18 and out of the house. Right. So it, it was pretty open. All right, great. So, so you didn't necessarily um, follow suit in the Catholic? No, not really, no. Of course, I know living in Brazil, which is uh, like 90% of the, the, the population is very religious. That, mm-hmm. thing, that was like a pretty heavy weight on me. And the society itself in Brazil is kind of like, they, they forced you to be you know, same beliefs as they have, but not inside my home. It was mostly outside. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you said, it sounded like you started doing drag then at like 15 or? Yeah, it, it was around 15. Mm-hmm. And, that was, and that was just to dress up and go out or were you doing performance or? It was mainly just to go out. I, I used to be very shy. I'm still very quiet and introvert, but mm-hmm. I, I used drag as a way to help me be more outgoing as well and become more extroverted. Mm-hmm. When I put my makeup on, I basically become a, a different person. You know, when I'm out of drag, I am a pretty reserved and quiet and nobody knows anything about me. And, you know, drag helped me to, to come out of my shelf a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think drag does that for a lot of people. I, I tend to be a little bit more quiet too. And I, I feel like a part of it, I like to draw people to me to start the conversation and then, and then I'm golden. I just have a harder time like mm-hmm. going. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the reasons that my look is more artistic. It's not so much, it's not just like, uh, I, I don't want just like focusing on the beauty is more of a, an art form. Uh, because I want people to be drawn to me and talk to me and uh, appreciate uh, the beauty that they see and just start conversations from there. When so when did you start um, start with the 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 art uh, the art I guess presenting the art aspect of it? Yeah, my drag was always being very heavily influenced by uh, an Australian performance called Lee Bowery. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was very extravagant and very like nobody was like him, and that that felt good when I saw him for the first time, and I wanted to be like that because he was always very big and very bold, and he would like knock people out when he was dancing, and that was co- the complete opposite of what I was as a person. 
So uh-huh. by doing drag like that, it would push me to come out of my shelf a little bit. So this is where, when I found about him, this is where I said, oh, I want to do looks like him and I want to be more of a, an art form and more like a walking piece of art, per se. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we have a question, question from the audience. Cheryl asks, were you ever in Carnival in Brazil? Yes, I was in Carnival and mainly my early years. And it's not so much my thing, you know, it's because it gets crazy in there. Mm-hmm. It gets really, really crazy. The country stops for like a, a whole week and just people partying all the time. And But, you know, when I was younger, I used to go to Carnival. Yeah. Loved it, yeah. So what, when, did you, um, when did you leave Brazil? Uh, I, I, well, since early, uh, early 2000s, I've been living everywhere. You know, I left, uh, I lived in Finland for a while, then also all over Europe. My family is from Portugal. So uh, I went there to, to visit everybody as well. And I moved to the United States eight years ago. Okay. Yeah, and, and I've been here since then. Right. And, and you're part of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yes. Yes. And when did that um, start for you? I uh, started about five to six years ago. And uh, I knew the sisters from when I was in Brazil. But to me, they were just like a theater group, like drag queens performing. Mm-hmm. Once I'm, I came to the United States, it just so happened that I came directly to San Francisco where the sisters were born. And then I started seeing them on the streets and I started to get a little more curious about Mm -hmm. what they do. And uh, it took me a full year to get the courage to approach one. And one of the first ones was actually Sister Mary Peter because she was, my husband was her hairdresser. So that was kind of like an easy way for me to approach a sister. And uh, once I get to know what they actually do and uh, all the community service and all the the spiritual things that they do, I I certainly said, oh, maybe I found my gang and I want to join this family and because we have very similar interests. And I was curious about um, how, how, how different was drag um, in the different uh, countries and places that you lived? Uh, it, every place has their own uh, atmosphere. And uh, in Brazil, when I left Brazil, that was before, way before RuPaul Drag Race. So being drag was like really, really underground at the time. It was like an, an I used to go to more like uh, even punk venues in drag. And uh, once a RuPaul Drag Race started, uh, I think that a lot of places became somehow uh, familiar with what a drag queen is. So now it's more mainstream. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but every country had different styles and different. Yeah. Um, so we do have a question um, from the audience. You just mentioned Sister Mary Peter. So this is a question from her. Um, Sister, can you share if you ever if you ever feel a 
colonial mentality in the drag you experience in the U.S.? And if so, how do you, how how do you address that? Uh, well, uh, one of the differences between uh, drag here in the United States and drag in Brazil was the fact that here you have like, oh, I am a Chicago drag queen or I am a New York queen. And all the queens, they have their mothers, they have their whole families. And uh, there's some, there's more of a sense of community and togetherness by all of that. And in Brazil, before, of course, the whole RuPaul Drag Race thing, it was more an isolated thing. Nobody really had like a, an official drag mother or there wasn't this thing of, oh, I am a Rio queen, I am a Sao Paulo queen. And so it was a bit of a shock when I came here because I didn't know, oh, how do I introduce myself to these people? You know, do I have to like fill up a form and choose a mother or, you know, since I'm a San Francisco queen, do they have like prejudice against if I go to another city? So, but I always felt very welcomed here and uh, the whole sense of togetherness was pretty important. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, I guess, so then you started the process. What is the process of becoming a sister? Uh, you started the sister uh, as a volunteer. Uh, and then there's a whole, there's a bunch of steps that you'd have to make. The first one, you become a volunteer. And then you just started showing up to events and helping us and see if uh, that's your thing. You know, because a lot of people think that being a sister is just looking fabulous on the street and, you know, just doing like out, uh, being loud and obnoxious on the streets. But they don't they don't know the whole thing that we do as uh, to, to serve the community. Mm -hmm. So after you spend a few months as a uh, volunteer, you can petition to become a postulant. Once you become a postulant, you will work together with your group of sponsors that was gonna be your big sisters. Mm -hmm. And the whole postulancy period lasts about four to six months. This is where you start wearing a little bit of makeup and you started to get a little more of a feel of how to be a sister. Mm -hmm. And you get to know all of them and you get to prove to them that you're not a crazy person, that you're just going to be uh, causing trouble. And then after a while, if it is still your thing, you, be, you can petition to become a novice. Once you become a novice, uh, you get to choose a mother for you. And then with this mother, you get more deep into the whole thing of being a sister. It also will last from six months to a an year. And uh, during this process, you are expected to, pro to put together a project that you will carry on with your big sisters and your mother, but you're gonna be like the point person for that. And once you, pro you present this project and you still think you are a good fit for the, for the sisters, then you can become a, a fully professed member of the order. And what was your project that you did? My, my project was working with a group 
here in at West Oakland. I live in Oakland, by the way. My project was with a group called Punks We Lunch. It's a group of kids that uh, every Sunday they prepare lunches for uh, the homeless uh, community here in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also do outreach and they do uh, harm reduction as well. So I, I brought a bunch of sisters here uh, in Oakland and we just spent the whole day making lunch and preparing food and then cleaning up uh, places and going under the bridges and cleaning up all the syringes and all the kind of stuff and also providing information uh, to the homeless community. And I, this is a community that I, I love to work with because they are very, uh, once they see us, they, they feel like they are like important. They feel like someone care for them. And I, I really love going there and just be like, uh, even if it is just sitting down with them and talking and, you know, providing a, a meal for the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say that, uh, what do you like most about being a sister? Uh, it's to serve my community, uh, especially because as a, a gay Latino immigrant here in the United States, once uh, Trump got elected, I felt like really, really have this heavy weight on my shoulders to be like that and not be able to help other people in the same situation. And I really, really wanted to help all my uh, gay immigrants and uh, brothers and sisters as well to and serve my community. So this is basically why I am a sister. I just want to serve my community, uh, the community that welcomed me so well once I moved here. And I just want to give back to them. Fantastic. So with the sisters, um, you know, the sisters being nuns, do like, is spirituality a part of that? Or what does that look like, if at all? Uh, We have our own spirituality. I mean, we don't follow like an specific kind of thing. I think being a sister, we are like sacred clowns. We are the heart of the community. We just spread joy. We have the vows where that we take uh, to spread universal joy and expiate stigmatic guilt. So we just want to, this is basically our religion to spread joy everywhere. And of course, there are some sisters that go really deep into religion and, but this is their thing, you know, being a sister is our, uh, as being a sacred clown for everybody. Gotcha. So there's not any specific one thing for everyone. Everyone may or may have. Especially because, you know, there isn't one right way to do this, you know, so we we welcome everybody. For sure. Um, One of the questions from Angel in the audience asked, has the mission changed since you first joined the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Uh, My mission uh, shifts a lot because I always feel like there are some some areas that I want to to reach. You know, in the beginning, I wanted to work really closely with uh, the homeless uh, people here in Oakland. 
And then I became more involved with questions of mental health as well. And I also became more involved with questions of um, body positivity and self-love, which is something that I love to deal with. And I use drag uh, to make people feel better about themselves. You know, like I said, I want people to look at me and be inspired and see that anyone can be fabulous as well. And everybody can just discover something inside of them that is that will shine and will make you feel fabulous. Right. Um, Phyllis asked, Phyllis is a regular on the show. Thanks for joining us again, Phyllis. Phyllis uh, was friends with Sister Ed and was wondering if he was still around. Are you familiar with? uh, Does she know the name of the sister? Sister Ed (laughs) is what she said. I don't remember any Sister Ed, but maybe. (laughs) Maybe someone else who's watching the show maybe has an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Douglas Russell says, "Hello, gorgeous. You're looking especially lovely tonight." Oh, I guess that's I guess that's a compliment. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right? She's a sister as well, so. Oh, is she? Yeah, fantastic. Um, another one says, "Sister, Sister Tilda, Sister Celine here. My question is, where do you find inspiration for your faces?" And how far ahead do you plan them? I don't plan them at all. If I start planning, I am a very, 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 very uh, anxious person. Uh, I suffer from like really high levels of anxiety. So if I just plan stuff, I know they're not going to happen because I get anxious about the day that I'm going to do it. So mm-hmm. I try to just like a few minutes before I get ready, I just try to plan something, to come up with something. And uh, I, I actually don't know how the ideas come to my head. It's just that I feel I have such this huge baggage of cultural references in my life from early start. So I, I just think that the ideas come to my head and I don't have a process for that. I, I just try to shine what I'm feeling on the inside and put it on the outside. This is, uh, I think this is the best answer I can give to that answer. You know, just how, how I'm feeling on the inside and I try to translate into the outside. It's fantastic. I, I definitely think it seems like there, I mean, obviously you put a lot into it, but it seems like there would be so much planning and so much all of that. You know, it's always like that. If you plan, 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 and then at the end, it's not going to happen, not going to look good. And then if you just start doing it, it, it comes out great. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, just, I, I'm not as artistic, but I do the same thing. I think I'll have something I'm going to wear mm-hmm. and then I completely go. Cause I just, it's more organic. I'll do one thing here, add something there. Yeah. And, you know, it's the whole thing. If you plan something, but then at the day of the event, you're not actually feeling like putting on what you're planned on, then it creates a clash. Because, for instance, uh, some looks that I do, sometimes they are a little off-putting. You know, you can tell that people are scared of me when they look at it. And Mm -hmm. some other times you see they are more approachable. So if, if I'm not feeling 
if someday I want to go out and I want to be like, I just want to hug everybody. Uh-huh. I can't wear a look that is just going to make everybody go away from me. I need to put a look that makes people come to me, you know? Makes a lot of sense. Do you do, you do drag outside of, uh, like, outside of your time as sister till the next time or uh, not as a performer just to go out mm-hmm. and i have my drag persona which is alison gotts and but it's mainly just to go out and i don't perform as alison right gotcha mm-hmm. um and i guess what is is there a real, i'm curious about just i i'm always curious about like kind of for me i've had these interesting dynamics around like where drag starts with me and where it ends mm-hmm. and i was curious like is there is there a clear definition between like allison and i mean our allison got because you're allison mm-hmm. and allison right so yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah i i think that when i'm as allison i i go a little bit more towards uh my whole uh past as a as a goth person so my looks tend to be a little more dark and more, uh, more, more on the scary side. And uh, when I'm a sister, I try to be more colorful like this. And I try to be more, just uh, spread more joy. And I feel like when I dressed up as Allison, I'm basically dressing up to myself to make me feel good and to have a good time. When I'm dressed up as a sister, I'm doing this for the community and doing this for others. So this that's the basically the main division between the two personas. And both of them are really, really different from me as a person, as a boy, you know, because I, as a person, as a boy, I would never talk to anyone on the street. I would never uh, approach anyone without being approached first. You know, I'm a very quiet and introverted person Mm -hmm. so is that something that you're I guess it's that is that something you like about drag does it impact you out of drag as well oh yeah totally uh I I love seeing the reaction of people I love when people just stop and ask me questions about the look and they say oh my god what is this you know I, I I really love the interaction even when they hate I, I love to see the reaction and, you know, the, what caused people to feel like, oh, this is scary. I don't want to get near here. And then I try to figure it out why, you know, it's not, it's not that scary to me, but right. I, I try to figure it out. It seems like often when there's a drag queen in the room, it has the power to, to like really lift spirits. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love seeing people light up. Yeah. Uh, when they when they see us uh it's, it's just a nice feeling to have that effect on yeah on I, think, I think as a drag queen you you touch people in a way that nobody else does because you kind of like you light a spark inside of them that most people don't even know they have mm-hmm. and they feel inspired by that even if they don't want to do drag but you you you, you light something inside of them that they didn't know they had you know yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with people that are like, they, they get some sort of like, they see us as brave or courageous in some way. Mm-hmm. And it causes them to like, decide to, I don't know, do something they haven't done before, whether it's play with gender or. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I go to a lot of uh, uh, youth centers for transgender kids. Mm-hmm. And this is something I love to do because they, they, those are kids that even if you just uh, give them like a kiss, you basically change their lives because they, they feel like they don't have, they, they want to be like that, but they can't yet. Mm-hmm. So it is very inspiring to them. Yeah. Um, so how has shelter in place impacted your drag or? Well, impacted the sisters a lot because now we can't do fundraisers and we can't go out to events. So we had to come up with uh, different uh, venues and different ways to, to help our community and uh, Every, most of the things we've been doing is online and we didn't have any experience in doing like live streams with, with people and Instagram contests, you know, we never actually do that. And then we managed to get uh, the Hunky Jesus contest. This year was all online. Yeah. And it, was, uh, it was so surprising that we raised like $10,000 together with the Queer Nightlife Fund. Mm-hmm. And that was like uh, amazing to do it. And it's pushing us to explore the other venues as well, you know, and other things. Yeah, it seems like it's caused challenges for people, but in the yeah. long run, some good stuff could really come from it. Yeah, because, you know, this, this whole situation is going to last a few months, sadly. So mm-hmm. we, are, we just need to now find new ways to do and the sisters need to find new ways to spread joy. You know, mm-hmm. today a bunch of sisters went uh, outside to pick up the trash that people left on the streets, and that's that's amazing. You know, because nobody else is doing that, and that's a kind of community service that you can do, still respecting social distancing and still wearing masks. So. Uh, this whole thing is pushing us to think outside the box and plan new stuff to do. Yeah. And prior to Shelter in Place, have you ever videotaped yourself in the process of painting? I think I haven't. <laughs> I think that's also my first time doing that. Yeah. I think I, 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 I was the same way. Like, I feel like a lot of like drag performers were like, it's the first time they ever went to video. Yeah. And now it seems like the stuff's more accessible. Yeah, and I, I never knew that you could actually like streaming four different platforms and reach out people all, all over the country, you know. And this, that, that's the silver lining of all this pandemic uh, thing happening, you know. We are thinking outside the box and pushing us to discover new things. Right. And um, what's, are, are, what, what are you working on next? Is there any projects that you're working on? Uh, we are trying to get uh, more ways to bring uh, more people involved with the sisters as well. So we have a lot of things going on. Uh, it's doing planning stages, and uh, but I'm I'm sure you'll be hearing from us pretty soon and with very exciting things. Fantastic. Do you think you'll make a video again? Oh, probably. Yeah, I, I honestly, I haven't put on a face in like a month. 
Mm-hmm. This is my first time in a month. It's just because, you know, you, you get in, at home and you don't feel like the energy to, to do that or you don't find the strength inside yourself to, to put on makeup. And because th- this whole thing, it kind of brings you down, you know, you're just stuck at home and, you know, it's difficult. But I'm glad that you invited me to do this because this is my first face in like a month. So it, it sparked me a little joy to continue doing that. Yeah, I'm so glad that you could join us. Um, yeah. Is there, um, is, is your face tonight, is it, are you, is it, I guess, is there a story to your face tonight? I was feeling kind of romantic today. I'm, I'm, I'm living by myself for the first time in like uh, forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find ways to be in love with being by myself and being alone. So this is why I put a lot of hearts in me to remind myself to to be kind to myself and to be in love with the whole situation that I'm living in by myself because it's something that I cannot control. So it, it went outside of me and I'm, I did this to also make people happy. It's definitely it's definitely working. I I I sense that as well. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? I had like um, I don't remember what I was gonna. Oh well, I was gonna say you know I think a lot of people are kind of having that experience right now. I know I am too. Like I'm by myself. I live with roommates, but we're social distanced in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the and I feel like a lot of us are just kind of like getting to be with ourselves and and my situation is even worse because uh, I, I'm just like I have a full house just to myself uh, and it's me and three kids three cats and mm-hmm. there's so much you can do with three cats you know sometimes you just need people around you uh, but yeah it's been it's been a, a moment of discovery for me and self-discovery and see that I can do stuff by myself and that I'm not, uh, that I, I am capable of doing stuff. So I, I just need to remind myself to provide some self-care sometimes. Yeah. Right. And then do you, do you have uh, any sort of spiritual practice now? Uh, I am a very, in, I'm very interested in several different kinds of spirituality. Uh, I love uh, Hinduism. I love Buddhism. Uh, I love meditation. I also love uh, some of the dark arts. You know, I am not afraid of dealing with the, the occult as well. I'm also interested in doing some uh some of more of my uh, roots as a Brazilian, you know, dealing with uh, Santeria and also uh, all the practices that come from Africa. So I, I, I just love everything that is related to spirituality and I try not to focus on one. I, like I said, I don't think there is one way to do it, something right. There's multiple personalities. So for me, that's important. Right. And so that's something that's kind of stayed with you since you were young. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It just stayed with me and the whole syncretism of being able to join different kinds of philosophy and different kinds of, of practices. Mm-hmm. 
I, I love the, I love the difference as well too. I, I see some similarities and things, but it's one of the reasons why I love doing this work is I just, I love to hear mm-hmm. how people, you know, like relate or like connect with their spirit or yes. the spirit, the bigger spirit, however way they want to define it. I'm just always curious about what yeah. work, what's working for people. One of the things that uh, draw me to the whole spirituality thing was m- more of the notion that you are not your body, that you are so. So I can transform my body and I can do, I can become a um, piece of art if I want to. And once the body goes, you know, who else, uh, who knows where my soul would be, but it will go somewhere fun. Yeah. Um, just for folks who are watching, uh, we do have about 10, 15 minutes left. So if you do have some questions that you would like to ask, um, please do so now. Um, also feel free to tip Sister Tilda next time um, if you feel so inclined as well. Um, just reminding that if you want a tip, the best way to do is going to our website, thesisters.org. Uh-huh. And then you can find out how to donate to them. I'm not collecting to myself. I'm collecting to the system. For them. Right. And we, and there is a link to the website um, uh, at the top or the bottom of the conversation as well. So click through there. Um, so if somebody was maybe thinking about being a, becoming a sister, what would you suggest them do to prepare for that? Uh, first of all, it's doing a lot of self-checkup and see if, you want to help the community. That's the main part. Do you love the community that you're a part of? Do you feel like you have a family when you are among them? You know, this is the more, most important thing to be a sister, to be service, because we are nuns. We serve our community. We don't do this for ourselves. We don't do this for personal gain, you know, it will cost you a lot of money to buy all this, you know? So are you prepared to do this? <laughs> and just take a look at yourself and see, do you love your community? Do you want to serve your community? Do you want to spread joy to people? You know, that's the most important thing for you to be a sister, you know? And just talk to us, approach us and... You know, we we love to talk and we love to, I would love to welcome as many people as possible to the order, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a question that, um, I guess uh, this is a question for me. I don't, I don't know how to address that, but it says, um, sister, it's Sister Mary Peter, of course, right? <laughs> um, uh, would like, uh, wants to know if the experience of this series is impacting like how it's impacting me during social distance. Um, it's been like, like I started to share with you, I think earlier, like um, I had no idea how, um, just how amazing this experience would be. It's fairly simple in the sense that you pick a date on the schedule, you invite somebody to come and then you just show up. And then the conversation that comes out of it is just like, it's it's just really remarkable to me. It, it helps me feel um, more, it, it just expands my idea of God and spirituality and our community and the types of drag and all that sort of stuff like that. Like, I feel like it just expands it. And I love the opportunity of helping folks share their narrative 
in a way that works for them and to have people who are not, who people to see us differently than maybe they had seen us before. Um, and so that's, that's what I really love. There, there, there's a beauty and there's a depth um, to, to all of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Sister Mary Peter sends her love to you as well. Oh, love you too. Um, think if there's any other questions. Is there anything that we haven't covered so far that you would like to, sh to speak about this evening? Uh, well, you can check our website, it's thesisters.org. It's a very comprehensive website. It has our history. We've been around for, uh, for 40 years. We have orders all over the world. And, uh, you know, you can get information in there, how to donate to the sisters. You can have information on how to join the sisters as well. And you have our, our bios that can get you inspired to maybe uh, join the sisters or maybe just be a volunteer with us. And, you know, it's a great way to start. And how, what is your interaction with the, because it's a global organization, what has your experience been with that? Uh, it's been great because uh, when we had our 40th anniversary last year, we had sisters from all over the world here in San Francisco. And it's like we said, we are all under one veil. You know, once you're a sister, you're a sister for life. And we all share the same vowels. And uh, we all, it, it is like a huge family. So I know that uh, it is difficult to imagine that something as big as that will feel as family, but it does feel, you do feel like you're part of one huge veil that unites everyone. So it's, it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, and is there ever opportunities where folks, maybe sisters go from one area to go be of service in another area or? Oh, yeah, there are, there are lots of missionary sisters as well. They go, you know, when they move to a, like a rural, area and they are the only ones they can also be just a missionary sister and do their work in there so mm -hmm. and so um like so like to be a sister seems like you know it's a big commitment it's a big choice um what are some are there other ways people can support the sisters um maybe if they're not willing to make that commitment maybe they can throw some coin but are there other ways that they can get involved you know our main vow is to spread universal joy. So if you do that, you're halfway there. You know, you are a sister, basically. You know, just share joy to everybody. Try to fight everything that you see wrong. You know, this, this is a time where, you know, it's not enough to say that you're a racist. You need to actually do something. If you see something, do something. And if you see some kind of violence against um, gay or queer people, do something, you know, act. And don't, don't just stay behind Facebook and complaining about life, you mm -hmm. know. And just try to be the best that you can be, you know. You, if you do that, you are already helping us and you are already helping your community and providing resources to everyone. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for being here this evening, sis, sister Tilda. Um, love that you could join us. 
It was my pleasure. Thanks again for coming out tonight and uh, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.